as the Lord led me as I was praying, we are going to go into a series about prayer. And uh, there are a number of different types of prayer, kinds of prayer. But today we're just going to kind of get a, just a big picture look at prayer, how important it is, how powerful prayer is, and how without prayer uh, we could be in trouble. But let me start this morning with a poem called The First Thing. The first thing, the thing that starts every miracle, the spark that ignites every move of God, the catalyst that conceives the vision, the conversation that births the dream, the revealed plan that builds the impossible, the stillness that calms the mind, the humble cry that frees the soul, the sweet communion that overflows the spirit, the declaration that destroys the curse, the command of faith that heals the sick, the intercession that finds the lost and restores the broken, the weapon of the warrior, the balm of the healer, the lifeline of the believer. The first thing, prayer is the first thing. You see, as Christians, prayer is something that is important and needed. Now, as I mentioned, there's many different types of prayer in Scripture. There's fasting, there's intercession, and we're going to look at some of those as we go through this series. But let me give you just a very basic definition of prayer today, and that is this. Prayer is communication with the Lord. And communication with the Lord is critical if you call yourself a Christian. You see, as Christians, we don't practice a religion. We have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Well, here's the bottom line. Any relationship you have will not survive without communication. Husbands and wives, try not talking to your spouse for a day or two and see what happens. Communication is important. Good communication. You see, communication is what causes relationships to deepen, to grow It's what allows you to know what the other in your relationship is thinking and feeling and desiring. Without communication, relationships fall apart. And with poor communication, relationships fall apart. When I say communication, if your only communication is arguing or being upset, that's not good communication. Just like that communication, you and I can learn to have good, healthy communication with the Lord. It's called prayer. Prayer is key. Prayer is important. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is needed. There are many stories in the scripture about prayer and its effect and its power. We're going to look at a couple this morning as we talk about prayer. One of the men in the Old Testament who's well known is Elijah. And he was definitely a man of prayer. In 1 Kings Chapter 17, verse 17, we read this. Some time later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she, the mother, said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Now let me back up for a minute in the story. You see, there was a time of great famine, And actually, God had spoken it through Elijah that there would be famine because the nation had left serving God. And during the famine, God directs Elijah to go to a widow woman 
and to say to her, can you make me a cake? Make me some food is what he's saying. And the widow woman tells him, actually, I can't because all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And I just told my son, we're going to make our last meal and then we're going to die. And Elijah says, hold on a minute. You go ahead and make that little bannock, if you will, for me first. And then God's going to bless you abundantly. You see, the oil is never going to run out and the flour will continue to pour. She knew she only had enough for one more. But she said, okay, I'll do what you ask. She had nothing to lose, did she? And she gave the little she had, and God caused the flour to not run out and the oil to not run out. Every time she would pour for the next meal, there was more there. An ongoing, continuing miracle. But in the process of this ongoing, continuing miracle, as she feeds Elijah and herself and her son, all of a sudden her son becomes sick and dies. And Elijah replied to the woman when she told him this, said, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms and carried him upstairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God. Please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Now I want to focus a little bit here on the sentence that said, the Lord heard his prayer. Now, interesting, it doesn't say the Lord heard their opinions. Now, the mother had an opinion that God took her son. That's a false opinion, by the way. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, not God. Elijah was even a little bit upset, kind of almost blaming God there for a minute. It doesn't say God heard that, does it? But when he prayed and said, Lord, bring back the life, It said, God heard his prayer. I hope you understand something. God hears prayer. And God hears prayer from people who aren't perfect. God hears prayer from people who don't quite understand him. God hears prayer from people who don't know everything yet. Um, That's good news for you and I. Because we don't know everything yet, do we? We won't know everything until we end up in heaven when everything becomes clear, but God hears prayer. There's one more interesting thing in this story, and I'm not sure uh, why they even included in this story, but it surprises me. At the end of the story, she's telling Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God. And I was thinking to myself when I read that, well, she was living in an ongoing miracle because Elijah told her to do it, but she didn't think he was a man of God until he raised somebody from the dead. I'm thinking, whew, those are pretty high standards. I could be in trouble. But you know, interestingly enough, the religious people didn't believe Christ was who he was. They actually said, oh, he does things by the devil, and they wanted to kill him, and he did raise people from the dead. So the standard of whether someone is hearing or speaking from God is 
not miracles. It's if they're hearing and speaking for God. Plain and simple. Is it God's word? Does it line up with this? That's your balance for that. I'm not sure why I brought that up. It just surprised me. Because I'll tell you, God is amazing and he hears your prayer. Another story from scripture that I want us to look at is the story of Esther. It's another example of prayer, a different kind of prayer. Uh, But again, prayer is key. Because you see, we remember the miracle of Elijah raising someone from the dead, but sometimes we forget he had to pray first. And he prayed more than once. They're basically telling us he prayed at least three times, could have been more. Often we remember the miracle or the great deliverance or something amazing from Scripture, but do we remember that prayer is the first thing? I'll tell you what, for every mighty move of God, for every amazing miracle, there's somebody who's been praying and you don't even know. Often there's a team of people who've been praying and nobody knows. Prayer is the first thing. But let's look at Esther for a minute. And before we read where I'm going to start, just a little bit of story up to there. Many of you may know the story of Esther. She was a young Jewish lady and she ends up being chosen to be the queen. And she's chosen for her beauty. And here she is the queen, but she doesn't reveal to the king her nationality. And in the process of time as she's queen, an evil ruler under the king comes up with a plan to destroy all the Jews. He doesn't like them. And Esther's uncle Mordecai tries to get a message to her and says, hey, you need to listen. They're trying to destroy our entire nationality. And we need to do something. Mordecai says, Esther, I think that you are chosen for this exact time. You need to talk to the king. And Esther says, well, the thing is, if the king doesn't call me to come and I just walk into his court, I can be killed. And I don't really want to be killed. And Mordecai encouraged her and says, this is something, Esther, I think you need to do. If you don't, God will bring deliverance from somewhere else. Wow. Can I say something, church? If God is calling you to do something, no matter how difficult it is, do it. Don't let it be somebody else because he's chosen you. But Esther replies to Mordecai and says this in chapter 4, verse 15 of Esther. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And on the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the golden scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. God brings an amazing deliverance to the Jews, causes the plot that was made to be uh, overpowered and done with, 
the Jews are able to defend themselves and they are given victory. But it began with some people praying. It began with some people willing to take time and call out to God. And then the victory comes. Think about Esther at that moment when the king looks at her and says, you can ask me whatever you want, even if it's half my kingdom. Isn't that an amazing statement? Did you know something? The God we serve is ready and willing to answer prayer and to give more than we can even ask. Scripture says he wants to do a beyond what we can even imagine or think. So why aren't we seeing it? Are we praying? Are we asking? Do we go to God and ask? Or are we afraid? Are we like Esther and we think, well, maybe he's going to kill me. She was afraid. She was like, I've made up my mind. If I have to die, I'll die. But did you know the God that you're coming to when you pray is not up there waiting to kill you? He loves you. And he wants to give you the desire of your heart. When we move into the New Testament, we see that the followers of Jesus very quickly realized prayer was very important to Jesus. Read with me Mark 1 and verse 35. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. The first thing. Jesus' life and everything he did was built on prayer. And he found a place to be alone and to pray. Next week, we're actually going to focus on the personal prayer for a believer. We're going to really look at what that can look like and how to do it just touching it today, but Jesus had a personal prayer time. It was nothing to do with uh, praying for sick people and had nothing to do with giving a word. It was him and the Father alone. It's something that each of us needs to practice as a believer. But the disciples watched and saw this. You see, they followed him. He was their example, just like he is our example. In John 5 and verse 19 to 20, Jesus explains something to his followers. And it says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man then you will be truly astonished. This is quite the verse when you realize Jesus is God in the flesh. He could have done whatever, yet he's our example. And he says, I won't do anything unless I hear it first. When did he hear and see things from God? In his prayer time. In his prayer time. And he is telling them, I don't do anything unless he shows me. And he says, and you know what? He's going to show me some even greater things and you're going to be astonished. Can I ask you something today, church? When is the last time you were astonished by God? Like went, what? It may have been a while. Your prayer time is important. My prayer time is important. I find in our busy, hectic lives and the ability to be connected online with all of the social media, it can become easy to let prayer time be a thing that's on the back shelf. Well, if I have time, it's not if you have time, you make time. Oh, but you don't know how busy I am. Give him three minutes and it will begin to change you and you'll want a whole lot more. 
I'm serious. Sometimes in our minds we think, well, I heard a message about this. You're supposed to take a whole hour, and I don't have any. I didn't tell you to take an hour. I just said have prayer time. Didn't tell us how long Jesus took. Just said he had to go early so he could be alone. Start with what you can handle. If three minutes you can handle, do it and talk to him. We're going to get into that more about how and what. But friends, a basic definition of prayer is simply this. It's communicating with the Lord. So talk to him. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're feeling. And then be quiet. You see, he wants to talk to you. Now, I know when I bring this out, there's always in people's minds be thinking, well, I don't hear God. That's why I don't pray, because I just talk and I don't hear nothing. Listen, God is the Spirit and He speaks to your spirit. If you're expecting to hear Him the way you're hearing me, you probably won't. Now, we know God has spoken audibly in Scripture, and I've heard testimony of Him speaking audibly, but that's often like a miracle. It's not the regular, normal thing. But He speaks in a still, small voice, which is to your spirit, to your mind and your thoughts, if that helps make it clearer. Let me give you an example. How many people here have lost their keys before? You've lost your keys. I have done this before, and I remember realizing, you know, God cares about even that kind of thing. I want to pray and ask him, because he knows everything, so he probably knows exactly where those keys are. So I took the time, I prayed, Lord, I have thought, I have looked everywhere, I can't find them, but you know where they are, because you see everything, you know everything. Can you bring to my mind where those keys are? Thank you, amen, and then... I turned and walked away, and just like that, oh, I remember where they are. Well, was that me remembering? No, that was God speaking. But similar to that, when God speaks, it's like that idea, your brain, you're like, oh, I got it. Oh, that's the way to do it. Okay, that's him speaking in a still, small voice. Most of us can handle that. He wants to show you things. He wants to bless you. So Jesus spent his time first in prayer. Because you see, the first thing was prayer. All the miracles he did, people being raised from the dead, people being set free from evil spirits, they all began first with prayer. If you and I want to see amazing things, great things, it will begin with prayer. There's a verse that says, the Lord says, I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. When's he going to show you those? In prayer. You see, you have to make time for him to speak. The Holy Spirit is not pushy. God does not force anybody to take time for him. Did you know that? You're like, well, how do you know that? Think for a minute the story of Samuel. Samuel was a young man and he was sleeping and he heard his name, Samuel. He immediately thought it was the priest who was looking after him, Eli. You went to him, you called my name, I heard you. No, no, I didn't. He goes back to sleep, it happens again. He goes again. Uh, pretty sure he called my name. No. Finally, Eli the prophet says, oh, God is trying to talk to you. And he says to him, the next time you hear your name, say, Lord, I'm here, what do you want to say? Is basically what he says. There's a lesson here I want you to understand loud and clear. God will not force you to hear him. He needs your permission. Really? Yes! God wanted to talk to Samuel, but he wouldn't share with him what he had until Samuel gave him permission. Like, well, I, God never speaks to me. Have you given him permission? Have you given him permission? Lord, please show me. Give him permission and then take some time to listen. 
Listen with your heart. Listen in your spirit. God has some amazing things he wants to show people. Amazing things he wants to show you, but you've got to give him time. Luke 11 and verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. When they realized everything Jesus did was because of prayer, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Do you and I have a heart to learn how to pray? Is it important? I pray it's important to you. I pray that you too want to learn how to pray because it will transform you. It will transform your relationships. It will transform your work. It can transform your church. It can transform your town. It can transform a nation when people truly learn how to pray and learn how to listen. In the New Testament, as we move along a little further, we see that the entire church uh, affecting the world would begin with prayer. In Luke chapter 24, 49, Jesus says, I tell you, I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but wait here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You see, God's people would not be able to be witnesses to the world until first they were filled with power. And Acts chapter 1 tells us what that looked like. Acts chapter 1, 4, and 5 said, being assembled together with them, he's revisiting when Jesus told them. He says, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Go with me to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And finally, verse 13 and 14. And when they had entered, they went into an upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Elpheus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. You see, God wanted to transform the world through this group of followers of Christ, but he couldn't do it until they were filled with power. And how did they become filled with power? Prayer, which gave the Holy Spirit access to them. You know, if you want to be filled with Holy Spirit power, it begins with prayer. It was not a... They were walking down the road and it hit them. It was not... Well, I'm just going out fishing in the boat, and boom, it hit them. I find sometimes people just want it to be, well, it has nothing to do with me, just boom, let it all happen. It begins with prayer. You want God to move and do amazing things through you? Then you will need a prayer life. That's a fact. You want God to fill you with amazing power so you can see miracles? It will begin with a prayer life. You want God to transform your family? It's going to begin with you having a prayer life. You want God to change your partner that you're married to? Then you start having a prayer life. You don't just go around wishing for great things to happen. You have a prayer life and you give him permission to speak to you. When you give God permission to speak to you, then get ready. Start listening. It will be good. You see, they went into that upper room and they prayed. 
And they were expecting God to pour and they were expecting God to do for them. And in Acts chapter 2, we read that as they were assembled in prayer, the Holy Spirit came. There was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And then it said there was tongues of fire sitting on each of them. And they began to speak in unknown tongues, languages that they didn't know. And they spoke about the good things of God. It created an uproar and people begin to hear and they gathered together because people want to come see what's going on when God's people are excited, when God's people are loud with the things of him. And Peter shared the gospel and at that time it said 3,000 people came to follow Christ at that one time. But all of it happened because of prayer. All of it started with prayer. I'm going to say this a couple times, obviously. Now, by the time I'm done, I'll have said it. I'll start with prayer about 50 times. And if you don't remember anything from this message, you're going to drive around this week. It all started with prayer. He said it. He said it over and over. The Lord wants to teach us how to pray and to never forget that it should be the first thing. The first thing. I remember years ago as a young man, I thought I was ready for a wife, and uh, I prayed. I said, Lord, I need a wife. The Lord is merciful. I was not ready, but he did hear my prayer. And I said, Lord, I have no clue, you know, what kind of wife or what I should, but I'm just going to pray and ask you. And later that week, God gave me a dream, and he showed me clearly that I'd be married, that I'd have kids, and that I'd be in ministry. And he showed me the hand of the wife that I would marry, and I believe it's because he wanted me to know that she was First Nation by the hand. He heard my prayer and he answered. He said, okay, I've got something. But of course, he made me wait till I could grow up. Now, I'm maybe not quite grown up yet. You can talk to my wife about that after. But a little more grown up. How's that? And I ended up getting married when I was 26. But God heard my prayer when I prayed. I gave him permission to speak. And he showed me something great. Are you in prayer giving him permission to show you? He wants to work through you in unbelievable ways, but he can't until you establish prayer. Maybe you're here today and you used to have a, a great prayer life and you've kind of let it slip. And you're feeling kind of dry and you feel like, oh, it's, it, maybe it's the church's fault or maybe it's the pastor or maybe I need to quit my job or maybe I need to move to a different area. You know, I've seen that over the years with Christians, and the real key to it, yeah, maybe someone's like, oh, I think I need a new spouse. You guys don't think that. But honestly, some Christians will get to that point where their whole life could be better if, and the real key for them is, go back to your prayer life. God wants to give you the joy back in your marriage. God wants to give you life back for the business he gave you. He wants you to be excited again. It's not the problem of the business. It's not the problem of the people around you. It's your prayer life. Do it again. Talk to him. He wants to use you again. Do you know if the stories you tell are only from many, many years ago and you have no fresh stories for a long time, it's a prayer thing. Get back in your prayer life. God wants to do great things every day, every week. I don't know who that was for, but somebody needed to hear that. He wants to give you a fresh testimony because your prayer life, once again, you hear him, you listen to him, and great things happen. Let's begin to pray like we've never prayed before. 
We're going to go into this series and you're going to learn some things about prayer that you didn't know. But here's the bottom line. If you just take it into your head but you don't practice it, then I'm wasting my time. I don't preach to just make you smarter. I preach because I believe God's word can transform your life. But it transforms your life when you act on it. So go this week and each day find time alone, even if it's only three minutes, and talk to God. So, well, I don't know how. Just tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you feel. Just do something. We're going to get into it more. I'll give you some more things about prayer as we go, but I want you to do that.